While our text this morning is taken from Judges 1, we're going to read, first of all, Joshua chapter 15. We'll read the first 20 verses of Joshua 15. This then was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah by their families, even to the border of Edom, the wilderness of Zin southward was the uttermost part of the south coast. And their south border was from the shore of the salt sea, from the bay that looketh southward. And it went out to the south side to Melechrabim and passed along to Zin and ascended up on the south side unto Kadesh Barnea, and passed along to Hezron, and went up to Adar and fetched a compass to Carcaea. From thence it passed toward Asmon and went out toward unto the river of Egypt, and the goings out of that coast were at the sea. This shall be your south coast. And the east border was the salt sea, even unto the end of Jordan. And their border in the north quarter was from the bay of the sea at the uttermost part of Jordan. And the border went up to Beth Hogla and passed along by the north of Beth Ereba. And the border went up to the stone of Bohan, the son of Reuben. And the border went up toward Debir from the valley of Achor, and so northward looking toward Gilgal, that is before the going up to Edumim which is on the south side of the river, and the border passed toward the waters of Inchemish, and the goings out thereof were at Enrogel. And the border went up by the valley of the son of Hinnom unto the south side of the Jebusite, the same as Jerusalem. And the border went up to the top of the mountain that lieth before the valley of Hinnom westward, which is at the end of the valley of the giants northward. Border was drawn from the top of the hill unto the fountain of the water of Nephtoah, and went out to the cities of Mount Ephron. And the border was drawn to Baalah, which is Kirjath Jearim. And the border compassed from Baalah westward unto Mount Seir, and passed along unto the side of Mount Jearim, which is Kesalon, on the north side, and went down to Beth Shemesh, and passed on to Timnah. And the border went out unto the side of Ekron northward, and the border was drawn to Shikron, and passed along to Mount Bela, and went out unto Jabneel, and the goings out of the border were at the sea. And the west border was to the great sea, and the coast thereof. This is the coast of the children of Judah round about according unto their families." And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak, and he went up thence to the inhabitants of Debir, and the name of Debir before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, 
He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass, as she came unto him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing. For thou hast given me a south land, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah, according to their families. Now we turn to Judges chapter 1. And the text that we consider is verses 12 through 15 of Judges 1. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kerjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and he gave him Aksa his daughter to wife. And it came to pass, when she came to him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted from off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text that we consider this morning is a repetition of what is recorded in Joshua 15, but the background of the incident has its roots a little farther back as recorded in Joshua chapter 14. That chapter recounts the history recorded in Numbers 13 and 14 when Moses sent representatives of the 12 tribes to spy out the land that the Lord God would give them as their inheritance. And you children remember that of the 12 spies that went out, 10 spies came back with reports that frightened the Israelites. Joshua and Caleb alone laid hold of the promise of the faithful Jehovah and with great boldness reminded the congregation of their calling and of God's power to deliver them. And for their faithfulness, the congregation would have stoned them, except God intervened to save them. But the result was not only the judgment of God upon the nation, but causing them to wander 40 years in the wilderness until all those older than 20 years old had died, except for Joshua and Caleb. But the result was also the promise to Caleb in particular that he himself would inherit the land and his seed would possess it. So with that promise in the background, 
Caleb came to Joshua just prior to Joshua making the distribution of the promised land to the various tribes. And according to Joshua 14, verse 9, Caleb reminded Joshua of the the promise that Moses had spoken. Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast followed the Lord my God. Furthermore, Caleb said, And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war, both to go out and to come in. Remember now, this is before the inheritance is divided and before the land has been subdued and cleared of the enemy. Caleb asks for the inheritance of that of that very area where the spies had been so frightened many years before. And we read in Joshua 14, verse 12, Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced, If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Caleb doesn't ask for a land already cleared. He doesn't ask for just any piece of land on which he might settle. But he asks to be given that land which he is sure that God will give him in the way of his own entering battle, even to defeat the great giant enemies that occupied that land. Caleb made this request in the presence of his fellow sons of Judah and with their approval. In other words, they were witnesses of his great faith and of the boldness that was his in in laying hold of God's promise, even though it would involve him as an 85-year-old man in a battle with giants, the notorious sons of Enoch. So when we get to Joshua 15 and to the details of the territorial allotments to the children of Judah, we find in verses 13 and 14, And unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. And then follows the account that's repeated here 
in Judges chapter 1. And he went up to the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. Now it isn't my intention with this text this morning to to examine Caleb setting forth his daughter as an offer to an unknown man. Let me just make a couple remarks in that connection though. For one thing, though the identity of her husband was not known at the time that Caleb makes this proposition, it was known what kind of man He should be the husband of his daughter, must be such a man totally committed to the Lord's cause and therefore boldly pursuing it. He would be therefore a man that any godly father would desire for his godly daughter. Secondly, there is no reason to assume that Caleb did this without the permission of his daughter. While we recognize differences in cultural practices, it was customary even at that time when there were no lengthy courtships that a young woman gave her consent to the terms of the marriage. And Aksa, having an understanding of the importance of a godly husband, could readily accept the terms of such a proposition that would assure her of a man so committed to God's cause. In the third place, by this means, God would raise up Othniel to a position of prominence and honor in Judah, for it fit for the office that he would later occupy as judge in Israel. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took the city of Kirjath-Sefer and received Aksa, Caleb's daughter, as his wife. With that part of the text serving as the background, I would focus our attention on verses 14 and 15 of Judges 1, where we read concerning Caleb's daughter. And it came to pass, when she came to him, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. And she lighted from off her ass, and Caleb said unto her, What wilt thou? And she said unto him, Give me a blessing. For thou hast given me a south land, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. It might seem to us in first reading that this text is rather unimportant. But the fact that the incident recorded in Judges 1 repeats what is recorded earlier gives indication that there is much more importance to this text than what we might initially consider. Not only is the story recorded in Judges 1 to show Judah's virtuous remembrance of Caleb's covenant faithfulness, but there's another aspect of this double record. 
While the story simply sets before us a, a specific aspect of family life and the relationship between a father and his daughter, we ought not forget that the Bible often points to various aspects of marriage and family life as pictures of the glorious covenant relationship that we enjoy with God our Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is in the words of this text. The story of Caleb and Oxa his daughter, and specifically her request of him and his response, is very similar in its illustration to what we read in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and particularly in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man of you is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, Will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So as we turn our attention now to the meat of this text, we notice here a pattern of prayer. And under that theme, we find in the text an approach without hesitation, a ready reception, and a fervent plea. Oxa, Caleb's daughter, approached him without hesitation. We find that in giving his daughter to Othniel in marriage, Caleb also gave Othniel, at Othniel's request, a portion of land. Oxa herself had moved Othniel to ask for that field as a wedding gift, as it were. Caleb freely gave a liberal grant of land, something which could only be done lawfully because Othniel and Oxa were of the same tribe. Upon receiving that gift of land, however, Caleb's daughter saw that the land lacked something critically important. What was missing would eventually render the land useless. It is undoubtedly the case that Caleb gave that land out of love for his daughter and her new husband without realizing that it was missing a water source. But Oxa, having made that discovery with her husband while viewing the land, returned to her father without hesitation to petition him with a very definite request. It was a request that involved a need, not merely a want. For her sake and her husband's sake and the generations which would follow them as the seed of the covenant in the promised land, there needed to be a water source given to them. So Oxa approached her father, Caleb, with her need. 
She wasn't going to a stranger. She was going to her father, who had been her provider since birth. So already here, we are reminded of some specific aspects and truths concerning prayer. We bring to our Heavenly Father not simply all that we would desire, for our desires are often perverted by our own earthly, carnal perspective and wrongful covetousness that belongs to the old man of sin, but with knowledge we present to him our needs, needs which serve our present and future state in God's covenant. And then with those needs, we make our petitions not to someone unknown, not to plead with a stranger, but we say, our Father, who art in heaven. Do you make your petitions that way? Do you approach God knowing him as your Father? For Jesus' sake, that, after all, can be our only confidence in prayer. When we have an earthly father before whom we stand in a relationship of love, with whom we have lived from birth, and who has faithfully provided for us, we know that if we should have a true need, he would give it to us if it lies within the realm of his capability. Let's remember then that our Heavenly Father knows our needs before we bring them to Him. He's able to provide in every situation according to our need, and for that reason, we may approach Him in our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, laying hold of the exhortation of Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Caleb's daughter approached her father, even going to the great effort of taking a journey to see him face to face. Riding upon an ass, common way of travel in those days, she came to her father. And as she came to her father, she dismounted from the ass, an act noteworthy for as one of deep reverence. How she reverenced her father. What a privilege she counted it to belong to the family of a God-fearing leader in Israel. She waited for him to speak. And Caleb could see in her eyes that she came with a fervent request. There was something she desired of him. He could tell. Yet Caleb didn't know what was on her mind. She had to tell him. And we too are to approach our Heavenly Father with our needs. Let your request be made known unto God. As we read in Philippians 4 verse 6. But there's an immeasurable difference between Caleb and our Heavenly Father, needless to say. Caleb didn't know what was on the mind of his daughter. Our Heavenly Father, on the other hand, knows our needs before we bring them to him. 
and yet he would have us express ourselves, even pouring out our hearts before him, because he's glorified in having us express our dependence upon him. He alone is the one who can give us what is necessary for our spiritual profit and our future safety. But recognizing him as God alone, we are to approach him with humble reverence. We must remember that we are on earth and God is in heaven. We don't approach him as if he were our equal. We come to him as those who who plead for what, after all, must be a gift of his grace and a token of his love towards us. In that way, in that way alone, do we approach him without hesitation, in Christ, not otherwise. Aksa found a ready reception with her father, Caleb. As soon as she approached him, Caleb said unto her, What wilt thou? You see, he could tell that she was coming with a request. From a child, he had seen that look on her face. And from a child in the faith, our Heavenly Father sees those who come to him in prayer. But with the love of a father, Caleb says, What wilt thou? What a blessing when a father says to his child, what wilt thou? What's on your mind? The father takes the needs of his child to be his own. And when Caleb asked her the question, did he not as good as say to her, whatever your request you shall receive? Because obviously she came with something she had mulled over in her spiritual mind. She didn't take such a trip to come with him, come to him with a frivolous request. Whatever was on her mind, it bore importance to her. So our Heavenly Father would say to us, What wilt thou? What's on your mind? What would you have of me? Beloved son, precious daughter, you whom I have purchased with the precious blood of my own dear son, what would you have of me? The question, you understand, coming from the mouth of him whom we revere so highly, whom we love so deeply, implies that we come, as did Aksa, with a well-thought-out request. We need to know our pressing needs, that which is necessary for our place in God's covenant, that is, our spiritual needs. We cannot expect to receive an answer if we have no specific request. Or worse, if we come with a request contrary to his word. But God's way of giving is through our asking. In fact, it's the way of double blessing that God gives us the petition to bring, as well as the answer to that petition. 
Ask, and ye shall receive, he said. That was the rule that our Lord Jesus labored under. For our Heavenly Father said even to him, Ask of me, and I shall give ye thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Psalm 2. It's our Heavenly Father's good pleasure to hear us as well. As a father delights to hear his daughter tell him what she wants, so Caleb stood before his daughter and would have her tell him what she wanted. Now you understand, of course, not all earthly parents are like this. Many would just soon that their children not tell them their wants. And at the same time, many children are not, in, not accustomed to asking what is truly beneficial for them. Many fit the picture set before us in, in James 4 verse 3, those who receive not because they ask amiss that they might consume it upon their lusts. Very few, in fact, are those who have a spiritual perspective and outlook in life. And the pattern of true prayer is that we make spiritual petitions, having a, having a spiritual perspective. But whereas many, many of us fathers consider it a good thing if our children have few needs, our Father in heaven has an entirely different perspective because we are entirely dependent upon him, he would have us pour out our hearts before him. He delights to provide the needs of his children, all the needs of all his children, because in that way he glorifies himself as the God of our salvation. He delights in our humble petitions. Aksa presented a fervent plea. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. Is that what you desire of your father? In the request that you make of God, is it your chief desire that you receive his blessing? After all, if you have the Father's blessing, then you are blessed indeed. If you have the Father's blessing, you have Christ and all the blessings of salvation that are in him. The devil himself cannot curse you if you have the Father's blessing. If you have God's blessing, there is nothing that shall be able to separate you from the Father's love. No, not death itself. For with his blessing, an everlasting inheritance is yours. Aksa, Caleb's daughter, sought an inheritance that would last. Her father had given her and her husband a gracious gift, an inheritance with immediate possession. And for that gift, Aksa was most grateful. She called attention to it with gratitude. 
Thou hast given me a Southland. I want you to notice that. She didn't come simply with a petition. She first mingled her petition with deep reverence for her father and gratitude for the gift that he had given her. It was a substantial gift. A precious portion in that land that overflowed with milk and honey. And her approach with thanksgiving was proper. And so we also are instructed to approach our Heavenly Father as we read in Philippians 4 verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There are those, after all, who seemingly find it easy to ask and ask and ask, but who have not learned thankfulness for what they have received. God will not give his precious things to those who look upon them as if they have no value. When we are praying, let's make sure we're also praising our Heavenly Father. But with Ox's thank you came also a plea. Give me also springs of water. The inheritance itself was valuable. But there must also be the gift that sustains that inheritance. The land would provide richly for a time, but without water, the inheritance could not last. The safety of our inheritance, the blessed gift that it is, yet depends upon receiving more, more blessings from our Heavenly Father. In our case, we must receive the living water of Christ day by day. Oxa used her father's gift as the basis for the plea for more. Thou hast given me the Southland. Give me also springs of water. And we may seek the same from God when we seek his blessing. Lord, thou hast given me. Therefore, give me more. For his loving kindness changes not. The work that he has begun in us must be brought to its full fruition and he alone can and does provide because he does not only begin to build but he finishes that which he begins. That's the wonder of God's work. That's the persistence of his grace in realizing his covenant with all who call upon him. In that assurance, we make our supplications to God. In the confidence of his fatherly love, we approach him with thankful hearts, pleading more, more blessing, more grace. So a man... For example, who has received from God a wife and children, says, Father, I thank thee for my wife, for my children. I thank thee for these blessings. 
But Father, what's the use of my being the head of this home? As weak and sinful as I am, except thou dost also give me fountains of grace and continued blessings, that I may properly minister thy word to my wife and children and see them grow up in thy fear. Give me springs of water. So when God gives us certain talents, we must be thankful for those gifts. But we must also cry, Lord, give me grace that I might use these talents for thy glory and for the good of thy people, else my talent shall become a desert land, yielding no fruit to thee. Give me springs of water. Give me blessing upon blessing. That's the need also expressed in Ox's fervent plea. Her request was immediately granted by Caleb and that in abundance. For we read, and Caleb gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. He didn't say to her, what are you doing making such a request? I've already given you a bountiful inheritance. Why should you ask for more? Some earthly fathers might do that. But gracious Caleb, seeing his daughter's fervent request, was rooted in a desire for the bounties of the covenant that would endure everlasting life, extended her inheritance to include springs of water, not only in the highlands of the land that he had given her, but also the lowland. Take the upper springs and the nether springs, and may you and your husband enjoy a lasting inheritance. My heart delights to give you that which will be of lasting benefit to you in the enjoyment of God's covenant blessings. When we understand the significance of this earthly land of Canaan and Judah's inheritance in the land of the promise of which this gift to Aksa and Othniel were only a portion, then we understand that Caleb stood not only as a model for a godly father in seeking the lasting spiritual welfare of his children and children's children, but in that gift, he stood as a picture of our heavenly father who delights to give the spiritual blessings that we ask of him. Sometimes we make mistakes and ask for the wrong thing. Sometimes that's a matter of improperly placed, even sinful desires. Sometimes it's simply because we misinterpret as a need that which we only see through a glass darkly. But when we ask for the wrong thing, our Heavenly Father is merciful enough to to cross out that foolish request, and answer instead the corrected prayer offered by the Holy Spirit of Christ on our behalf. 
our asking or thinking may fall short. But God's giving never does. We have a rich inheritance, beloved. Even the fulfillment of that which the land of Canaan represented. Let's seek the blessings of that inheritance, shall we? Let us be bold as we approach our faithful Heavenly Father, knowing that in Jesus Christ we have a high priest who makes intercession for us according to the will of God. May God give us grace humbly to seek His will. Amen. Heavenly Father, Thou hast given us so much. And with gratitude we lift up our hearts and our voices in praise to Thee. But we are dependent upon Thee. And we need an abundant measure of Thy grace and Holy Spirit day by day hour by hour, moment by moment. Sustain us, strengthen us, give us all that we stand in need of as we look to Thee, the God of our salvation in Jesus Christ, longing for that inheritance that is ours in heaven. For Jesus' sake, amen.